thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. And today we're joined by an amazing homeschool mum, health coach, podcaster, speaker, and an all-round inspiration to those parents out there that have children with special needs who are on their own healing journey to recovery. She believes that her children are here to teach her lessons and that she is continually still learning them. She ignored the signs of imbalance to the point that her family became quite ill and didn't act until it became very evident that it was becoming a problem for her children. She believes that along with her husband, Mark, that they are the custodians uh, of their children and they very much intend to honour that commitment as parents and to get them through adulthood with all of the goodness available to them from the blessings of knowing others, having amazing peers, supportive family and community, and constant education. Welcome to the show, Leah Follett. Thank you very much for having me here. I want that printed up and I want that as a mantra on my wall. Actually, I'm going to write it in lipstick across my my vanity so I can look at it every day. It's amazing what you just said. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that makes me sound pretty cool. I'm totally telling Sarah, who can't be here today, unfortunately. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) when you did the intro and you said, you know, I'm Steve Hader and I'm Brett Hill, I wanted to say, and I'm Leah Follett taking over for Sarah Stewart. You know, like I was just, I I had to hold that back, hey. I would have blamed my cover. Well, I did. I did have to put a lot of she's and hers in there until I could save your name to the last, uh, the last little reveal. Um, oh, but thanks, nice. thanks for joining us, Leah. Um, you provide so much inspiration and information to parents out there that are struggling with their kids' health. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to be in the position that you're in today? Okay, so. In a nutshell, I ignored all the imbalances. I masked them with um, over-the-counter medication for, like, menstruation problems and uh, ended up with an autoimmune disease. And, you know, the breaking point for me was having these, having my first child and then have him not hit these milestones like all the other kids. And from there, it was just, you know, the school was saying there's something wrong, the OT was saying there's something wrong, the speech pathologist you know, all these people kept saying there was something wrong until we had to actually bite the bullet and and stop saying, well, no, no, it's just him. He's just, you know, shy or he'll grow into himself. We actually had to pull our heads out of the sand and realise that, hey, look, he's doing exactly the same things as his father, but they are not normal. They're not normal behaviours and it's actually impeding his learning ability and his social and emotional development. So it wasn't until we pulled our heads out and got our head around what we actually had and started working towards that with um, a mind-trained practitioner and looking into, you know, biomedical intervention, what was going on in the gut, that we were then able to heal and start seeing some of those gains come back in his communication and his emotional well-being. Hey, Leah, how hard was that to actually get to the stage where you realised that something wasn't right? And I guess as much as anything to admit that to yourself, because I think sometimes that can be a real challenge for parents is to sort of get to the stage where you go, this isn't, you know, normal. I don't want to say not normal because that's not the right way to say it, but but there's something going on here that we need to do something about. You know, how hard was it to get to that stage? Well, everyone else was telling us, but we couldn't see the writing on the wall because in my house it was normal. Those things that Mark did, my husband, my wingman, my partner in crime, 
they were exactly the same behaviours that my child was exhibiting. So for the longest time, we were just unaware. And then for someone to say at school to us that, hey, look, you know, like your kid doesn't fit in, like that was a huge shock to us. And then to be, oh, well, we'll prove them wrong. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with our kid. And that's the, the foot we started off on. We're like, yeah, we'll go and see your OT. We'll get you the piece of paper that says there's nothing wrong and that he's normal. And that want or desire to fit in was what made us change everything because the more people we saw, the more paperwork we got saying, no, there's a problem. He's behind in this. He doesn't understand that. He can't do that. And then we ended up, you know, at a psychiatrist's office and getting, a, you know, end up going through the diagnostic process. Um, it was really hard to begin with and even harder for Mark. You should actually speak to Mark about that because, you know, these are the, the traits that have, he's built his business on and he's, he's um, you know, he's an engineer. All those um, autism-type traits where he's hyper-focused and he doesn't make eye contact and he doesn't share and he's not engaging with other people for the, you know, for the productivity of the team, all those skills are highly valued in the workplace. And then to say to him, that's not normal and you can't be yourself, or that's, you know, like that's an imbalance of some form. So I, that was an even harder thing for Mark to get over. So that was a, a big heated discussion and a big, you know, sore spot in our marriage for a little while, actually. Yeah, I can, I can totally appreciate that. And like, like I said in your intro there, it's that commitment to really doing the best by your kids mm. um, by, you know, having those difficult conversations yourself. So that, that takes courage. And um one of the things I was curious about as well is along your journey, because it is such an intense journey that, that is uh, so much research, effort and, and um, finding out how to, how to get to the bottom of what's happening with your kids that you've mm. gone through. It's very concentrated in a short period of time. But I was wondering if we could start perhaps with um, why, why you think that once, once you did wrap your head around this, the, the warning bells were going off, why whole food isn't enough? So for somebody perhaps who's ready to step into the paleo lifestyle with their family, um, what, what are some of the signs when um, it, clean eating isn't, doing, isn't cutting the mustard? Oh, look, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Let me rephrase. It matters because if you haven't got the capability in your stomach to break down your nutrients and then absorb them or even the fats that you're eating, if you, if you can't use that as an energy source because you're not producing enough bile or, you know, any number of things, and that's why you need a, like an integrative practitioner, whether it's, you know, a naturopath or, um, you know, like your, your GPs or, or, you know, homeopaths. If you haven't got the facility in your body to be able to harness the goodness that you're putting in to your, into your body, then you may as well not be treating it as kindly as you would be, you know, and the, going to the extent, I suppose, that you actually are. Like we spend all of Saturday is foraging, we're going to the farmer's markets and we're doing our best. But if you're putting that in and your body doesn't know what to do with it, it's storing the wrong thing. It's, you know, got high levels of, say, toxins or, you know, even its vitamin mineral level is out because, I don't know, I don't even know how gene expression works and why the body decides it's going to start storing high levels of aluminium or mercury or any of those other things. That's not who I am. I don't understand the science behind that, but somewhere in the body, it goes wrong. You get the wrong information. So whether it starts in the gut and you're not digesting it or whether it's something going on at a cellular level, you need that support. And without that, it doesn't matter what you're throwing into the system. You're not going to see those gains that you need to in order to heal and progress. So what were the things that you saw with your kids, Leah? What, what were the challenges that you saw and, and what were the things that, that you made you realize that you had to do more? 
Okay, so the biggest, most heart-wrenching thing that still greatly, greatly upsets me is that we had our kids, like when we started seeing um, our biomedicine doctors, um, we did a range of, you know, fecal analysis, hair analysis and blood tests. And I had William who, you know, he already had a diagnosis and he was already, you know, we, we, were, out, we were there to serve him and fix him and make him well. But I didn't even recognise that there were problems going on with Gabriel. And when we got our blood tests back, the blood tests were saying that William's high in this, this, this and this. Gabriel's high in other things. But where's, where, why has this kid got, why has little Gabriel got so much toluene stored in his body? And the reason, the difference is because I had, you know, this lifestyle with William at one point, then I decided I was going to be a hat maker and a milliner and I was going to work in a, you know, the beauty industry in all those chemicals. And I was, you know, dousing myself daily just by, you know, reshaping and making hats. And it actually ended up in this little baby that I had. And that was the difference, the change in lifestyle from one place to the other. Like William was already wrecked. We already knew that and we were already working on him. But then to get the blood test results that actually pointed the finger and said, hang on, you yourself have done this. It's not actually the, the whole lifestyle. It, you know, you have impacted on your child's wellness and, back, you know, his behaviours and, and where he is just because of the lifestyle choices you made or the job I wanted or the thing I aspired to be that impacted his health and wellness and we could see that black and white on the test results. He was high in toluene and, you know, in America, toluene is banned in most products and yet here in Australia, you can still walk in and buy it in a drum and then apply it and use it. And like, that's the scary thing, I guess, isn't it? That once you start realising all those different chemicals that are out there, you realise that there's probably so many of them that you're getting exposed to that you don't even realise. No. And, and even for people who are very aware of it, you know, there, there's stuff that's just, just present in in the air when you breathe, walk into a shopping centre. You know, there, there's stuff just everywhere that you aren't even there aware is, of. There is, there is. And unless you're feeding your body correctly, unless your digestive system's working, unless your immune system's working, you're just a walking time bomb. You know, like it's... It comes down to how well you can detoxify yourself, how well you're absorbing those nutrients and those antioxidants or all those other things. If you're not eating well, if your gut's not working well, you're not supporting the body to do the process it's supposed to be doing. And I believe that that's the success that we had with our kids is like we had, I had a, a perfectly normal baby and I threw a whole heap of stuff into his body and then we started to see the decline. And, you know, it wasn't until we started to go back and readdress and we did it. Like you can go and do what everything that we've done, you can do that without a biomedical doctor. But it takes a lot longer because you don't know where the markers are and what you're looking for. But it all starts with going back to the gut, feeding your body right, getting the balance right, and then the body just takes care of itself. That's really interesting, Leah. Um, one of the things that's uh, really becoming prevalent now, and, and we, we uh, talk about it a lot on the podcast, is um, how, how you can go about um, educating your kids so that they're actually keen to eat well and that it's not something that you have to impose on them. I heard a really interesting story the other day that came out of that um, that sort of contrasted on the other side that a, a parent was saying um, that they saw a, a child at a birthday party and, uh, you know, these people 
pizzas started coming out and pies and 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 very few if if any health choices and the child actually started to become very very anxious and you know hand flapping and you know really really getting themselves into a into a stressful state because they were they were aware that these foods that they're not they're not to consume and so there was you know that that anxiety created to that point that caused this highly stressful reaction in the child i was wondering um, what your thoughts were on that and and the approach that you've taken Oh, look, you know, I know that when I eat something, I feel sick. And if I knew that someone was delivering those types of foods to my table and that I was expected to participate in a health-compromising decision, such as eating a pizza, like I've got huge problems with um, processing the gluten and the wheat and, you know, the dairy and, you know, like I'm not a fan of preservatives either. So that would just instill, I know that I love my body so much that I don't want to use that as a fuel or energy source. And that's my choice and my decision. And like I know innately that as soon as I eat that, I'm not going to be able to digest it. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be cranky, all those other things. And kids, and you know, they're exactly the same. They begin to understand their bodies. Once you, like liking with adults, if you clean up the diet, you become more aware of how you feel after. And for the child, as much as the adult, you want to be accepted as part of the community at the table. And I think even on the other side of the coin, the person that's hosting the party they want to accept you, they want to be your friend and they want to love you and have you at that table. And it's it's kind of hurtful to them in one way because this is their form of nourishment this is what they see as a good healthy food choice and they can't understand. But if they did understand that this was actually causing you pain, then, you know, there would be a greater acceptance. So I think that firstly the child shouldn't have gone to the party without being prepared the child maybe should have been the parent could have taken a plate of food to take you know even something easy as you know chopping up some watermelon so at least there was something that you can have to participate with that you're bringing to the uh the party that that makes it like more communal i suppose rather than giving the kid no choices giving the kid you know something it can bring con contribute and giving the a sense of empowerment and a sense of you know, yes, we're doing the right thing and, and reinforcing that without making it as stressful. I don't think that any person should have to go through through that, that hurt, worry and anguish that they've got to conform to society and, and make themselves sick at the same time. I'm, we do that all the time, though. We do it with, we drink too much coffee, but we do it because it's expected. We go out for a coffee, it's our meeting place. You have a cup of coffee, even though that you've already had two for the day and three is going to send you over the edge. We do those things all the time, and I suppose it's just about creating awareness and acceptance on all levels. Um, so, Lee, this is something I'm really passionate about, as you know, and, and I'm actually right in the middle of writing my ebook. In fact, I'm getting close to finishing my ebook on this exact topic at the moment, which I'm very excited about. Oh, okay. And I will share it with you, Leah. Don't worry. Um, and um, <laughs> oh, good. But, but I'd like to. I'm going to get some some goss from you now. I might get a few tidbits that I can add in there. So, how do you explain this to your kids? Okay. Um, the clean eating thing. How do I explain that to yeah, my kids? Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you okay. explain that to your kids, and I'm, how do you help them understand why they would want to do it, and okay. uh, and so, help them make the choices so that they're not stressed, but they're just making better choices for themselves? All right. Well, you know what? It starts with Mark and I, and my kids know that when Daddy leaves the work, he has breakfast in the morning, and when Daddy leaves for work, he doesn't eat all day, and he eats at dinner time. Mark does, you know, certain parts of his life are intermittent fasting, and that's okay. And as long as you're a good person and you're, you know, um, supporting, you know, the host and saying, look, thanks very much, I can't eat that, but I really appreciate, you know, the effort you went to, that's the kind of thing that Mark and I are trying to emulate. And I've seen even William, he's, he's just turned 11, he's now doing that. 
Um, so the strength actually comes from the parent. The strength that you have for yourself and for your wellness actually starts with you. And, you know, I suppose the hardest thing was when, you know, the kids were little. Like a lady gave Gabriel a, you know, a ham sandwich at a tennis lesson once and he ended up with this massive rash around his mouth and you know his skin flared up and we had you know vomiting and diarrhea and all those other things and he wasn't young he was too young to say no and it's really hard for a kid to say no to an adult because you know like we don't like you know we train kids not ever to say no it's like pick up your toys if you say no you get in trouble eat your vegetables if you say no you get in trouble and this is exactly the same so I suppose in the house creating an awareness about what food is and what your values are and the stronger the parent is in that system and then passing on um, maybe words of wisdom or encouraging the kids to be able to speak freely and openly about how they feel with food in a supported environment. I suppose that's the, the greatest tip I can sort of offer in that respect. Other than that and throwing in a hell of a lot of fats into the diet. So then the kid is so full they don't even want to eat those things. <laughs> Boom. I love it. I love well, it, Leah. If the kid's hungry every five minutes, it's just so easy to throw a snack food into them. But if you're giving them, you know, some avocado dip or you're giving them some homemade raw chocolate that's either got no sweetener or a tiny bit of um, honey in it or it's sweetened with, you know, some sultanas, you know, those are sustaining foods. So incorporating more of those things into the diet means the child is going to be less likely to want the other things because they're not hungry. They're going to be off climbing the monkey bars or up a tree or doing whatever they want to do. They're hey, not going to be so fixated about the food. And while we're on the topic, Leah, thanks for the help you gave me on making my Easter chocolates. They were awesome. Oh, did I help? Yeah, oh, you did. I did. I sent a recipe. <laughs> I did. How great. did you go with that? They were so good. Loved them. I did much better this year than I did last year for Easter. There I made nothing... much better chocolate, so I was very happy. <laughs> There's nothing sexier than a man in the kitchen, Brett. You just keep that in mind. Next time you've got the thermomix on, you can just sit there and think, yep, Leah thinks I'm hot. <laughs> Well, oh, you're going to have to go next, Steve. I've got no segue. I was going to say, well, speaking, uh, no, no, I've got nothing. Um, Leah, all of us were really fortunate, including Sarah, to uh, to actually meet you via our cave camp that we organised. And we did Cave Camp Adelaide and you were one of the first people to jump on board um, yeah. with, with your partner, Mark. Uh, and then also when uh, Queensland got announced, <laughs> you, you came back. In fact, 90, 90% of the people that attended Adelaide came uh, to Queensland. And um, we were really fortunate when we were in Sydney last year to pop into your house and and to share a meal with you guys and, and be warmly warmly hosted. And to, to be in your house is, is really an education in itself. And we, we, we well, I was just walking around going, oh, what's this? Oh, you're doing that? I haven't been able to do that. And it was so fantastic. And um, one, one thing that did fascinate me was um, how you view water and, and how you uh, treat water. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your sort of belief around that, what you guys do and um, why you think it's beneficial. Okay. All right. So let's look at a chlorinated swimming pool. The reason why we have chlorinated swimming pools is to kill all the bacteria. Same with our town water supply. The reason why we've got chlorine in our town water supply is to keep the bacteria level low and keep us safe. It has to be there. I can understand that. But when you consider that your body is mostly made up of bacteria, the chlorine, you know, like it's messing with your bacteria levels. It's actually killing off parts of you. So I love myself. I love my family. I love the fact that, 
in using filtered water, I'm nourishing every little bit of an organism. Almost said orgasm. Oh, my God. I end up saying it anyway. That's a boo. That's oh, a boo. You almost did it. Sticky one, isn't it? I went there. Um, but, you know, like I just cannot fathom why or what the benefit would be to be putting that into my body any longer. I want everything working at full capacity. I want these, you know, bacterias. I want them all working together in the right amounts of you know beneficial and and pathogenic bacteria you know like they've all got to be there they've all got to work harmoniously together and by putting that added toxin into your body in the form of say chlorine and the fluoride and whatever else they put in the water and they do it for good reason I understand that but I have the ability and I have the control to take it out of my water and nourish every little bit of me and I'm going to do that every day and tell us how you do it how I do it okay so I, I rang the water shop about three years ago and I said to Graham, Graham, this is my issue. And he just sent me out a water filter. He wanted to know where, whether the council put fluoride in the water, what my faucet looked like. It's just a little white box that sits on my bench. We're in a rental property at the moment. It just sits on the bench. It's a five-stage reverse osmosis system. I can take it to any other rental property that I'm in and it just attaches to the end of the faucet and it just takes all the... Um, all the nasties out of the water and then decants it into, I've got Steve's scene, I've got another little water port that sits next to it and we've just got on tap water that's been filtered and I use that for, oh, you cannot make sauerkraut with chlorinated water. You know, the, the whole system is based on growing and nurturing the bacteria. And if you use chlorinated water, you end up with this great big off mess of cabbage which just smells so foul. So I've done that before because you've got to change the filters regularly and sometimes I get a bit lazy and I know that if I make crap and the filter hasn't been changed, then I'm going to have subpar bacteria going on in my crock when I make the kraut and it's not going to be a nice experience for anyone, including the neighbours, because off cabbage just stinks. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting excited, Leah, because I've just made my first batch of home-brewed sauerkraut this week oh, as well. So You I, didn't. I did. I just finished it, put it in the fridge yesterday, tasted it, and actually it was pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. And, and I'm very excited because last time we tried to do it, we tried to make kimchi, and that mm -hmm. didn't turn out so well. And yeah. uh, and I think that's why I haven't done it for, for about six Look, months because the oh, smell just put me off. It does. It's unholy. It really is. And, you know, like I've got a big family-sized crock, so I'm making 15 litres at a oh, go. Wow. Okay. So it's none of these little jars for me. We eat the sauerkraut. We are expecting that we're going to have it at breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, you know, like it's just something that we go through quite a lot. So I make it in bulk. You, you, there's no way you can hide the smell of that. And I live mm. in a tiny little townhouse with, you know, crammed population either side of me. And I just feel sorry for them because I've got to open up my windows because it is just rife. So getting that bacteria level in your body and in your sauerkraut is, you know, key, the most important thing you can do. You've got to start with water, clean, fresh water. Hey, so, Leah, let's say I'm a parent out there and I'm thinking, do you know what, there's something, maybe something that's just not quite right with my kids. Maybe there's something going on here that I should investigate. You know, what's, what's the first step? What are the first things you think they should look at? Okay, water quality, absolute first and foremost thing. Second thing, clean up all the toxins in your home. Switch to, say, bicarb and vinegar for cleaning. Use some essential oils. Get rid of the chemicals. Um, you know, you want to start looking at your laundry powders everything that's in your medicine basket as well as what's in your and your personal care range because the um, the you know the chemicals that are in those things actually I've seen it in my own kids 
my kids react to those things. Even though we've reduced them, sometimes we're in situations where we have to use those things and they just off their trolleys again, okay, because they're not detoxing as fast or as quick as, say, someone else. So if you want to see the greatest amount of change in your kids, you've got to clean out the pantry, get rid of the preservatives, get rid of all the synthetic ingredients, all the fragrances. You know, it sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. You just start replacing one thing at a time and inside of six months, you have got an entirely new house and home and the kids can go to school and they can be, you know, exposed to whatever, to the teachers wearing, you know, really heavy perfume or, you know, whatever chemical they might have topped up the tan bark or done some painting or whatever. But when they come home, they're coming home to this microcosm of wellness that you've created and they've got time to then clean up their bodies and work on detoxing rather than having a low exposure at school as well as a low exposure at home. So if you want to change your kids' behaviours, I'd do that first. Leah, I'm just going to drop a bomb here. Um, I'm just going to switch do it, it up. Steve. Yeah, do it. it's 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 coming. I'm ready. You're someone that uh, just just listening to you, you you know, you can really tell that your um, authenticity and and your passion for for what you're doing in your life is really coming to the forefront. I was wondering if you could tell us um, what are some of the biggest blockers that are in the way, or or what are some of the best things to remove in people's lives to help them um, discover more of their passion. Okay. So, Steve, we had a little conversation before we started recording and it was about energetic healing and chakras. Yep. And, you know, like that's not a mainstream thing. And, you know, four years ago I wouldn't even go there. But you start dabbling in these holistic therapies and you can't, you can't help but look further and further and further. And you get to a point where you think, hang on, you know, there's something just not right. And you realise that it's you. You realise it's you, the parent, and the things, your fears are the things that are holding you back. And you're passing that on to your kids. So as a parent, that's probably been the biggest, you know, the, the biggest challenge for me is identifying where I, where I am lacking and addressing it. And I address it through early writing. I get up at 4.30 in the morning um, just so I can get my meditation, my writing and my creative stuff done. Yep. And that's given me a chance to work through the, you know, the issues that have been forced on me through from my parents, but then also stop the um you know the, the ongoing effects onto my own children because when you've got these 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 kids and you're like oh he's the same as me I do that oh my gosh my mum does that as well and you start looking down the generation well so much of it is genetic and so much of it is biochemical and once you've looked at those things and you've done you know put in the amount of time effort and money that we've done and you've still got those tiny little things that need tweaking that's where you need to go, okay, well, if it's not them, if it's not what I'm putting into them, if it's not their environment, it has to be an emotional or spiritual thing. So that's what we're working on at the moment. So I I'll, love it. I'll, I'll keep you updated on that one. It's a theory, but I'm going with that. I love it. I love it. It's huge. Brett, I reckon we've got time for one more from you, mate. All right. Well, let, let's talk about the rest of your lifestyle because I think, you know, you and Mark have got a pretty cool and unique family in that, you know, just the way you approach everything, I think you've managed to encapsulate this philosophy that you've shared with us around your food, but you kind of use that in all the other aspects of your life as well in terms of your parenting, your schooling, your exercise, your play, all of those sort of things. You know, can you can you tell us how all of those things come together in your life and, and what the, I guess, the, the philosophy behind that for you, how it all fits together. Oh, man, that's a really big question. I know. That's a really big question. And you know what? I can only say that we're going back to evolutionary principles. 
I, you know, I, everything we do, you know, like I'm in my homeschooling with my children, I'm modeling what they need to do. They're not learning it straight out of a book. I'm passing it on through verbal traditions, I suppose, or verbal information. I'm telling them mm. what they need to do. I'm engaging with them. And it's the same when we go out and play. We're not going to the gym and we're not doing, you know, how many burpees or like I know they are good for you, but I'd much prefer to be running along and then spring up onto a wall and do that and then keep chasing my kids. So, you know, like we play tag and, and those sorts of things all stem from, you know, our, our evolutionary understanding. It's pretty limited because I haven't had an awful lot of time to research all of this stuff, but it's kind of like, you know, what would, what would my, you know, my cave sisters do? What would Ayla, Clan of the Cave Bear, my favourite, favourite book ever by a writer called Jean All, you know, like what would Ayla do, you know, like in healing her family? What resources would she have? How would they approach this situation? Because nothing in our modern life in my house was working and we tried that. We tried earnestly to, to fit in and to do what we were supposed to do and, and follow, you know, the direction that we were given and the things that my, my parent, parents have taught us. But it just didn't work for us. So I just, yeah, go back to the, the campfire and have a rethink, I think. Leah, yeah. you're writing a book. Um, it's going to be a bestseller because, because you've I've got, got so much... <laughs> well then, that that's, that's good. good that's good enough for me. Um, and can you tell us, in a nutshell, what it's um, about? And it might be hard, but a rough um, time that you're looking to have it released oh, to, look, the, to the world. It's written and it's been edited, so it just depends on how I'm going to get it published. I'll send it out at the end of the month, and fingers crossed, the powers that be decide that it's uh, good enough um, for the population. So. We'll just go with that. And if that doesn't work, you know, I can always release it as an ebook, and I'd, I'll ask Brett for some help with that because he's done that. That's his thing. <laughs> I can help um, you with that. So, yeah. Um, and what, what kind of people would find it fascinating? Right. What's um, it about? It's about my journey and what I've done. So, But it's broken down because no one's got time to sit down there and read a, a story about, you know, autism and, and how to change the world and your growth. So I've actually broken it down into each chapter having just a quick – this is where I was in my life and I started with my childhood and this is how I turned out and why. And then the next thing is a lessons learnt section and this is everything I now know that compromised that, that made me do that, that made me fail health-wise in that area. And then I've just followed it up at the end of the chapter. It just says these are the people that I, you know, like I followed, I read, this is the book um, and these are just some search words. So it's really just a handbook of everything we've gone through from autoimmune disease to you know like I had a miscarriage I've you, you know like Mark's got issues he's dealt with some of his stuff in my book you know the autism the diagnosis all the holistic therapies how they all worked for us and it's just about creating awareness that my path is different to yours and your path doesn't necessarily have to be the mainstream path either but this is the information this is what's open to you and you take and leave whatever you need and develop your own that that's boom. it boom that sounds awesome. I think I think anybody would get value out of that as well, though, because we all had an upbringing. We all had stuff passed on to us that, you know, come from our parents mm. or our relatives or our friends or things like that. And, and how you go about healing through those and, and that discovery and sort of that, that uh, pearls of wisdom that you've, that you've come across on your journey, I think is just going to be a, a super fascinating read. So um, good luck with that. But uh, that's, that's time for us, Leah. And like we said before the podcast, I think the content that we wanted to discuss today, we could yeah, have covered just, in 17 episodes. Are you episodes. serious? I only get half an hour? What is that? 
I know, I know, I know. But um, I'm going to have to wrap up, Leah. So um, you can listen to more of Leah's concentrated life lessons via her weekly podcast, A Quirky Journey, co-hosted by another amazing mum, Joe Witten of the Quirky Cooking blog. Also, check her out on Facebook as Leah Follett. Uh, she's also on Instagram as Akesis Balance, and her website has the same name as well, akesisbalance.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Remember, you can join the conversation by liking That Paleo Show on Facebook and following us on Instagram. Until next week, continue to share your story and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.